Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we get to come and we get to be encouraged. We get to dive into your Word, Lord. And we believe in faith, Father, that you've got something for each one of us here today, Lord, that your Word is living and active, that it brings life, Lord. And that as uh, followers of Jesus, Lord, we want to receive it. We want to be a good soil for this seed. And we, we welcome your life-transforming work, Father. Help us to be renewed by your Word. We pray in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to jump straight in. Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 26. Acts chapter 8, 26. This, in my Bible, it says, uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. It'll come up on the screen for you as well. This is what it says. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the candidate, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptised? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptised him. What a great passage. Today I want to bring you a message. It's called, What's with the Water? It's a Baptist message that's going to sound very unbaptist to a lot of people as well. Uh, I want to speak to you about water baptism today and where it fits in the life of a follower of Jesus. And I'm also going to speak into some of the myths around baptism in the church. And as Liz, as Liz shared, even when we came to the giving time today, I think we have to acknowledge that there are some things that we do in the church that can seem pretty weird at times, right? You know that you know that it's like that when you invite that friend who's never been to church and they finally turn up and that's the day it's always extra weird, right? And they're sitting next to you and you're like, "Oh my goodness. Today of all days, Dan, why did you have to do that today? Just settle down, mate. <laughs> baptism can be one of those things. Like we have to actually look at this 
that we take people, believers in Jesus, and we fill up this tank of water. Often here at Hope Community, we put it on the stage right here. Um, It's a water tank and we fill it up with water. And then we take these believers, we get in the water and we baptise them. We push them under the water and we pull them out again. And uh, it's an interesting experience for many people. Um, People often ask me if they've been really bad to hold them under for a longer period of time. (laughs) Just so that it's really a good job, you know, they get it done right. But it, it is kind of weird, right? And I mean, in reality, like any kind of thing we can grab a hold of, it can be weird when we pull it out of context, right? And so if you've grown up in church, if you're a follower of Jesus, then it's not really going to be that weird. Like you just kind of get it. Um, But we hold this tension when it comes to baptism. And so I want to kind of just jump in there and have a chat about it today. And we do these baptism information sessions here at Hope Community. And I'm going to give you a little piece of that session here today. And so we look at our text and we jump into this text. This is this is actually an amazing scene that we see here. And in the book of Acts, we, we're seeing, uh, we know that Jesus said, I want you to wait. In Acts 1.8, he said, you, you know, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. And so there's this starting point and then we see the Holy Spirit come at Pentecost and then we see the message of Jesus just breaks out and goes everywhere. And where we jump into our text here, the message of Jesus is actually starting to spread more than it ever has before because of persecution. And in the Scriptures, it says that the believers started to scatter because of the persecution. They had to go to different places. And as they went, the Gospel went with them. And so here we have another situation where there's this Ethiopian who is returning home and God obviously has a plan for that Ethiopian to return home with the good news of Jesus. The Gospel is going to Ethiopia. And so that's kind of the big picture that we see. But the smaller picture is quite interesting also. Here's Philip. God's been doing amazing things through him. We see at the start of the text, it says that an angel actually sent him. And I think that's pretty cool. That hasn't happened to me before, but I'm open to it. If an angel's just going to give me a heads up, I don't know what that's like, but I'll do what the angel says. Um, And he goes out and he has this meeting with a eunuch. And the eunuch, as we read in the Scripture, is an official, um, a very important person who probably um, served in a royal setting. Eunuchs were often castrated. I think that's an interesting point that I just have to put out there because it kind of went hand in hand. Um, I don't understand all of that, all right? Why someone would do that, I have no idea. But obviously it was a thing. Um, Praise the Lord, it's not a thing here at Hope Community. (laughs) Just want to get that straight today. (laughs) Amen. You know, amen, anything, that's a good thing to amen, men. There's another interesting thing in here 
is that the Ethiopian has actually been to Jerusalem to worship the Lord, to worship God, which is um, quite strange that an Ethiopian would, would do that. And so we kind of can come to an understanding that this Ethiopian may be a Jewish convert, a Gentile that's converted to Judaism. Um, and so there's this scene that's set for someone to come to this person and bring the good news. And God has this plan for Philip. Philip comes along, there's this text. Man, sometimes you are given opportunities where you just think this is too easy. I've had opportunities, it's always when I'm sitting in the barber's chair and I've had several occasions where someone's actually asked me, well, what's this faith stuff all about for you? And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like that's an open door, like you're just gonna get it today, right? So these opportunities do come along and uh, this opportunity is here for Philip and this Ethiopian brings the good news of Jesus, that Jesus came, lived, died and rose again to pay the penalty for our sin so that we could come into an eternal relationship with our Heavenly Father and Creator. And it's implied in this text that the Ethiopian responds to this message, this gospel of good news. And then we also see that there seems to be a direct connection and understanding instantly that therefore the Ethiopian understands that because he is now a follower of Jesus, that he will be baptised as well. And so they come to some water and Philip gets to baptise him. And uh, what we don't read, what we didn't read today, but if you keep reading, then the Holy Spirit just grabs him and time warps him, relocates him. Um, It's like Star Trek. And suddenly he finds himself in a town north from where he was, which is another amazing thing. So we have this amazing scene. And before we go any further today, I just wanna put some groundwork in place and explain a few things about baptism. Because this word baptism, it actually, it's a Greek word and it simply just means to immerse or to dip. And so obviously that's how we do baptism here at Hope Community. Um, We don't sprinkle people with water. We immerse them in water because it's the example that we see in Scripture. And it also lines up with this symbolism that we see in Scripture of being buried and being raised again to new life. And I want to read you this text. This is from Romans 6. It says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So it's clear from this text in Romans that there is something going on when we are joined with Christ that is probably at times really difficult for us to actually get our heads around. But there is more than what we generally think, I think is fair to say. And so I wanna explain a couple of things about baptism, what it's about. Number one, when we get baptised, we get baptised because Jesus has given us a new life. 
And so this is this connection that we see in Scripture. And what we actually see is that Jesus gives us a new life that doesn't just start at our physical death, that we get to go to heaven and start this new life, but Jesus gives us a new life that starts when we actually received His his gift of salvation. So the new life is for this life. It starts from now and goes to eternity, right? And baptism is an expression of that new life, that we would be baptised because we believe in that. It means that now we get to live walking in this new life that Jesus has given us in the power of the Holy Spirit, the life that God calls us to. So when we get baptised, we actually embrace this understanding that Jesus' death and resurrection happened on our behalf. That Jesus died in our place, a physical death that it really happened. And yet while He was doing that, it was us. He was dying for, but we were there. We were on His mind in a spiritual sense. It was taking place for us, that He was dying for us. This is uh, what it says in Colossians 2. It says, For you were buried with Christ when you were baptised. And with Him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. So this might all sound a bit abstract and hard for us to really grab a hold of. But what it really means is that when I have faith in Jesus, His death counts as my death. Okay, the death of my old life, the life that was full of sin, the life that would not allow me access to the Father, that meant that I was not able to come into relationship with the Lord. And so my new life is this life where I am now in Christ. And this is what baptism actually expresses for us. Now, there's some beautiful um, symbolism around baptism as well that it illustrates this picture of us going into the water and, and being washed clean, that it's like our sins being washed away, that it's also as we go under the water, that's like us being buried beneath the ground. We come out again, it's like us being raised to new life. So there's this symbolic action, but I wrestle with this word of symbolism because there is actually so much more going on. If we make it only about a symbol, then it's so easy for it just to be something that we tick the box, we go through the motions, and that's all it is. And we can do a lot of symbolic things that don't necessarily have any deeper meaning. But this this baptism it seems to be significant. It was so significant that Jesus himself was baptised. It, 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 if you look back in the Scriptures, there were these Old Testament practices where people would come and they would wash themselves, that they would be ceremonially cleansed. But then Scripture tells us that in essence, they were only being cleansed on the outside, that you could be clean on the outside, but the heart could still be dirty. Right, And then we move forward and then we see that John came and he baptised people. It was a baptism of repentance. And then we see this prophetic word that says that there will be one who comes and he will baptise, not just with water, but with fire. 
And this is the cleansing that allows the Holy Spirit to come and rest on us. But here's where it gets complicated, and I wanna be really clear about this, is that we are not saved through baptism. That we are saved through faith in Christ. And Ephesians 2.8 tells us that there is nothing that we can actually do to earn our salvation. So even being baptised is not a process of earning our salvation that the Lord might say, okay, now you're good enough to be saved. It is our faith in Jesus that gets us saved and our baptism is an expression of that faith. And that's what makes it different to just running up and doing a cannonball into your backyard swimming pool. We don't call that baptism. I mean, you get dunked, you go under the water, you're immersed in the water, but it's not about the faith. You're not baptised, you're not doing a cannonball in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. This baptism is a significant thing to the Lord. In Matthew 28, Jesus comes and He gives this great commission, which so many of us are familiar with. And He says this as His disciples listen on. He says, Therefore, go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is making this point that not only are we to see people saved, that this message of the Gospel is to go out, but there's more, that people are to be baptised And the implication is that as disciples ourselves, that we would be baptised people as well. And so in this scene where we read about Philip and the Ethiopian, we see this man who apparently would have little understanding. And yet in his little understanding, he has the understanding that a believer, someone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, is someone who is baptised. And he gets baptised in this beautiful scene that we read about. There's a little bit of groundwork. And now I want to jump into um, some, I want to address some of the myths, okay? And this is where I feel like this is is very, um, I feel like um, this would just be great clickbait for YouTube, like um, the worst Baptist message ever or something like that, okay? (laughs) So I want to address a couple of things and I just want you to stay with me through some of this, okay? Um, first of all, one of the myths. Nowhere in Scripture do you find a situation where a believer had to pray about the right timing to be baptised, okay? Now I get it, I get it. The only example of an unbaptised Christian we see in the New Testament are Christians that hear the Gospel and then go on to get baptised. This is the only example I'm aware of. The examples we see in Scripture is that believers and followers of Jesus were baptised people. That they, The command was to repent and be baptised. So this does raise a question for us when it comes to children. So what about children, right? Which is the big question. And another thing where we, we create all these processes and procedures, which I understand... I'm a pastor, so um, I get it. The biblical requirement for baptism is someone who has repented. 
They have turned from their old life and they have turned to the Father. There is a decision, a mind turning that turns to the Lord. Now, if this is true for a young person, then I honestly cannot see any scriptural reason why they should not be baptised. And so we set these ages and we do all this stuff and I totally get it. Like I said, I'm a pastor. We want to do things well. We want to get it right. But here's the thing I wrestle with is that I actually wonder that if we did less of that sort of stuff and we were more obedient in someone coming to faith and being baptised in a very short time frame, that less of our teenagers would turn away from the Lord. That there would be a blessing on them that we just trust that the Lord actually knows what He's doing and we would see young people pushing through into life with the Lord. Is that all right? Okay. I know this is stuff I'm not meant to be saying, okay? <laughs> I, I, do, I do, like, if you're with me on that, you understand that, that for us that does not mean infants, that they have not come to that understanding of faith for themselves, okay? Um, another one, here we go. There is no biblical requirement to baptise people in the church building, all right? So we've just read a text where this um, Ethiopian comes to faith as they're travelling along, they come to some water. It could have been every, anything. We don't really know. It could have been a puddle. Um, it could have been a dam. It could have been a lake. It could have been a river. It could have been a creek. It was water enough for him to say, why should I not be baptised? Let's do this, right? And he was baptised. So I just want to put this out there. You can... You can get baptised at the beach. You can get baptised in a, a, a dam. You can get baptised in a bathtub. All right, that's happening all over the world right now in different countries. And that is a baptism. That is a real baptism. So the question is, why, why do we like doing it this Why do we do it this way? Why do we get the water tank and we bring it in here? And the real reason is because we want to celebrate together. We want it to be here. We want it to be a faith community thing where someone was discipled and came to faith in this place and they take this step of baptism, then we want to celebrate it all together. But I'm here to tell you there is no requirement for it to happen that way. Um, another one, there is no requirement for someone to stand up the front of church and share a testimony. If that is something that has put you off ever getting baptised, it shouldn't even be a thing. All right? Um, now, we love testimony here at Hope Community. So why, why does that often go hand in hand with a baptism? Because when God does anything great at Hope, we want to tell the stories of His goodness. If it's a healing, if it's a provision of a job, if it's the answer to a prayer, you will often hear people sharing stories of the goodness of the Lord. And so when it comes to baptism, often people want to share their story of the goodness of God reaching out and saving them and giving them new life. And so we give that option to people. And that can be powerful. I've heard so many powerful testimonies. Every time I hear a testimony like that, it reminds me of what the Lord's done for me. So it can be powerful for the hearer and it can be powerful for the giver, the person giving the testimony to have an opportunity to give glory to the Lord. 
but there is no biblical requirement for it to happen that way, okay? I feel like a magician giving away all the tricks, right? This is how you really do it. Are you with me? Okay, I'm sure you've got my email address if this is not okay. Um, Another doozy for you here. The pastor is not the only person allowed to baptise people. Okay, I'm putting it all out there today. Uh, So that's why at Hope Community you'll often see that the person being baptised has a person with them. Generally the person who has discipled them, journeyed with them to this point where they're saying, I wanna be baptised today and we get them to do the baptising. Often there are times where as pastors and as kind of spiritual leaders, we have had that opportunity to disciple people to that point and they do ask us to do it. But there is no biblical reason for it to be that way. The only possible reason that we could assume that is that there are many examples in Scripture of spiritual leaders doing baptisms people like John the Baptist and Philip here and Jesus' disciples. And if you look back further in the Scripture, then we see that the temple priests were the ones who did the ceremonial rituals. They facilitated things. And so there is some sense that there has been spiritual leaders who have done these things. But the reality is that Jesus comes along as He does with so many things and He turns things upside down. And in his great commission, he says to his disciples who are followers of Jesus, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples and I want you to baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And here's what I love about this and here's where I think we miss out on so much is that I believe that if you ever had the privilege of leading someone to faith, and discipling them, even discipling them to Jesus and then baptising them, I reckon you would get such a buzz out of that that you would be like, who's the next one? I wanna do that again and again and again. And I think that that's part of God's plan is that we would be such a part of that, that we would, we'd baptise one person and we'd think, I just cannot wait for the next one. Lord, this is what you actually asked me to do. And so I want to encourage you in that, that here are some of the things that we kind of do and we shape up for various reasons in the church. But God has this calling for each one of us to be a part of this as well. Now, it's, it's easy to oversimplify things as well. I remember someone said to me once, they said, oh, look, um, baptism classes are just unbiblical, you know? And I'm like, okay, well, I'm like, what do you mean by that? Well, they're not in the Bible. I'm like, well, going to the toilet could be unbiblical, I suppose, if we're, if we're going to do that. But in, in, in some sense, okay, stay with me. In some sense, there is some truth that we put some systems and processes in place 
But here's, I want to explain this a little bit. Here's why we do some of the things the way we do, is because we have a desire for people to actually walk the way God's calling us to walk. And we live in a day and an age where so many people, they don't have a Christian background. They come to church knowing nothing. In a moment, they might think, this is amazing. There's all these hype, the smoke machine's going, and they say, I want to get baptised. And when you ask them, do you know who Jesus is? They say, who's Jesus? What's his Jesus? I just want to get baptised. That looked cool. Everyone was doing that. And so we have processes where we get alongside people. We understand where they're at, what God's doing in their life, and we help disciple them to this point of baptism. Now, you might think this sounds silly. I remember I was on the phone with someone one night um, and they were getting baptised the next Sunday. And I was talking with them. And as I got talking with them, I just got this sense, just in my heart, I thought, I'm not sure this person is saved. And I started to ask some questions and just um, kind of dig a little bit there. And I, I kind of asked this question. I said, hey, has there ever been a moment in your life where you personally have come to the Lord and you've said, Lord, I'm a sinner in need of saving. Will you come and save me? And put your faith in Him saying, yes, I have done that for you. And the person on the phone said, well, no, I guess I never have done that before. And I was like, okay, right. I said, well, what do you think about that? Would you like to do that right now? And he said to me, yeah, I would love to do that. I said, well, great. Let's just pray together right here on the phone. And you can ask the Lord to forgive you and you can surrender your life to him and receive this gift of salvation for yourself. And he said, that'd be great. And so we hung up the phone and I realised that this person had just got saved and they were getting baptised the next morning. How good is that? But, but here's the thing, if that hadn't have happened, I, w- I wouldn't have been baptising a Christian the next day, okay? So here's why we do some things in certain ways and um, that's the way it goes. My fear is that sometimes though we box these things up, even with good intent, and they actually become hurdles to us stepping into all the things that the Lord has for us. So I want to throw a few of those things out there and I want you to hear me this morning, okay? In no way am I trying to criticise any other church, how they do things or how we do things here. I'd probably have to take some responsibility for that, right? But, and I'm not trying to create or promote a critical spirit in us where we're just kind of, you know, hard line on everything, But my intention is to come to Scripture and really examine these things. And hopefully together we can remove any obstacles that are stopping us from stepping into all that God wants for our life. Is that okay? All right. As I said, email me, talk to me. If you've got more questions, if I've just opened a can of worms for you, come and see me. Let's talk. Let's look at the Scriptures together and wrestle with this stuff. All right? Um, hang in there with me for another five minutes, okay? I've got, I got two more hard things for you. Two major hindrances to people getting water baptised. 
And I'm going to be pretty blunt here, okay? If this relates to you in some way, please don't hear offence. Don't be offended. This is not my personal judgment on you, okay? I, there's a fair chance I love you. Um, well, I only say that because I might not know you. If I know you, there's a good chance I love you. Unless you're just a jerk. But um, then I probably love you, I just don't like you. So, I don't know how many people have left this morning, but. All right, two major hindrances. The first one is pride. We just have to talk about it. And, you know, we have these things inside us and especially this one that says, you know, I've been a Christian for years and years and I've never been baptised. And, you know, what's that going to look like? Is it going to make any difference? I think the simple thing is, is that there are times where pride will actually tell us that our way is better than God's way of doing things. And we actually have to surrender that and submit to the Lord's uh, authority in our lives. The second one is this, I've, I've said it this way, an incorrect understanding. We can have an incorrect understanding about baptism. We can also have these influencing voices and I want you to hear this, is that the enemy loves to prevent us from doing anything that the Lord wants us to do. And so the enemy loves to speak this message in this area of baptism that says, you're not ready or you're not worthy or you're not good enough to be baptised. Now that is not even a thing. When you put your faith and, Jesus, your faith and trust in Jesus, He says, you are worthy. It's finished right there. And so we get stuck in our heads sometimes and it leaves us in a place where we don't step into everything that God has for us. That can be true for any part of the Christian journey. And so my encouragement to you is just to be obedient to the Lord. Whatever it is, let's just surrender everything to Him. People often say to me, like, I don't feel close enough to the Lord right now to get baptised. And I say to them, well, your obedience will be something that helps you feel closer to the Lord. Just try it and see. There's not a money back guarantee, but just be faithful in that. Now, I do want to say this. Um, I personally believe that there is a fullness, a grace, a blessing that comes from being baptised that is not fully revealed in Scripture. Now, I'm not trying to talk heresy here. You're like, oh, he's talking about stuff that's not in the Bible. Um, it's the same as communion. We see, we see that there are these things that we are called to as followers of Jesus that they could be stripped down to just being a practice. I believe that there is more blessing in that. And some of the blessing is simply in the obedience that God is faithful. Now, if you're still struggling with what I'm saying here, it's no different to me choosing to love my wife the way the Lord calls me to love her, okay? Now, I don't know the fullness of what that's gonna look like. I don't know, you know, what that means in 15 years' time. I don't know all the blessing that's involved in that, but there is far more than I have, has actually been revealed to me when I'm just obedient in seeking to do that. Does that make sense? I believe that baptism is one of those things and that the Lord's blessing is on this. Um, all right, 
I'm going to invite the team up and we're going to finish with a song this morning. Uh, two final thoughts for me, if I haven't lost you yet, if you're still with me. Um, if you are a believer here today and you haven't been baptised and I've touched on some stuff today, I just want to encourage you in area, every area of your life, this is one of them, just submit everything to the Lord. That's for each one of us. I believe that there will be blessing in it. Now, I have to give a shameless plug because we're doing baptisms in two weeks' time, all right? So if it's something that you think it's time, all you gotta do, jump on the website, click a button and register and you can get baptised. We're gonna be baptising people here in church and at our encounter service that night as well. So it's gonna be great. Um, The second thing is for all of us, once again, I wanna... um, I want to invite you to pray about God using you to reach someone, to see someone saved, discipled and baptised, that you would be that person who baptises them. Okay? Now that sounds like, whoa, it's just what Jesus asked us to do. All right, He has commissioned us to do these things. That's you, that's me, that's every follower of Jesus. And so if, that's never been, if you've never done that, it's time to start praying. Lord, let that person be me. Make it so. Just pray with me as we worship. Father, we just thank You for Your Word. Holy Spirit, we thank You for Your grace as well. Come and minister to our hearts, each one of us, I pray, Lord. Whether it's about being baptised, whether it's about being someone who will baptise, Father, our heart is that everything would be surrendered to You, Lord, that we would be people with lives laid down for You. God, we thank You in faith for the day when we are baptising people in Jesus' Name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.